welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Uh, Why don't you follow along with me? We're in Ephesians chapter 4. If you didn't bring your own Bible, we provided one for you. Should be right in front of you. Ephesians 4, we're going to be in verse 25. I want you to imagine, we talked, it's Palm Sunday, waving the palm branches with the kids. Now, 2,000 years ago, we have Jesus, imagine his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's riding a donkey, and the crowds are welcoming him with shouts of praise, and yet days later, there'll be shouts, as we said, to crucify him, crucify him. And it reminds us as citizens of earth, we live in a dark culture, don't we? Yes, we can see there's beauty and there's intelligence. There are great advancements in technology. In fact, for just $55 million, you too can go to the space station up in, up in outer space. Just $55 million, and you're right there with everyone else, all the millionaires. We see with all these advancements, all the beauty, all the technology, that sin still pervades our planet. There's more than just one war going on right now around the world. There are several happening. And so we remind ourselves as a Christian, in a sense, we almost have this secret citizenship, don't we? That we are citizens of heaven, this secret identity with Christ, and it requires us to live differently. And in fact, just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you're going to automatically live for Christ. You need to decide, how am I going to live? You have two options. I'm going to live according to the ways of the world, or I'm going to live for King Jesus. I'm going to share uh, three points today. Really, these are three kind of commands that we see from Paul in these verses. The first one is this, stop sinning and start living. Secondly, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, keep remembering. Take a look at verse 25 with me. We're going to read through verse 29. Paul says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk Come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those that hear. Now, I want you to notice in verse 25, Paul uses this very special word, therefore. And if you remember our man as you preached last week, the question he always asks when you read the word therefore is you ask, what is the therefore? Hey, you listened last week. That's fantastic. Paul has just finished this long list of things that represent the old life, the old clothes. Put off the old life and put on the new one because remember, you are in Christ. You have a new life in him. And then Paul says in verse 25, therefore, and he's moving from the first three chapters and part of chapter four of this narrative style of preaching and writing to more of what we call a evocative voice, a commanding voice. He's saying, this is how you should live because of Christ in you. Essentially, he's saying, stop sinning and start living. You've put off the old self, put on the new. And he lists the first thing in verse 25. He says, put away falsehood. Falsehood. 
Now, I know some of you, some of you are going to be thinking, well, Pastor Tim, falsehood, that's not me. I, I don't lie, right? First thing you think about, falsehood, lie. I'm not a liar. Okay, maybe you're not a liar. Lying, in a sense, though, let me broaden the definition a little bit. It means you're hiding in some way, right? Lying is a form of hiding. So I want you to think about the most simple of lies and see if maybe you've ever done something like this. Remember these days back in the olden days where we used to drive to a place called the office and do work instead of wearing pajamas with a dress shirt on Zoom? Remember those days you used to drive to an office? And sometimes on those days when you drive to an office, you might be late. And the boss says, hey, why are you late? And you say, oh, the traffic. The traffic, right? You ever done this? Oh, the traffic. But sometimes there's not really any traffic. And the reality is you're watching a YouTube video of a cat juggling. Be honest, right? <laughs> right? Now think of it as little things like, why didn't you just say, you know, I, was, I, got, I, got, I lost track of time. That would have been an honest answer. Why do we say, oh, there was traffic. You ever done this? Like, you don't even know why you lied. Oh, there was traffic. But really, you were watching YouTube videos, right? Why do we do that? How come at Christmas you still have that great, great aunt who brings you a fruitcake and you say, thank you. We love it. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't love it. That's why you get a fruitcake every year because you're not honest. You say, I don't want that fruitcake anymore. Thank you. You just need a little honesty. Now, think about this. Why don't we just say the truth that we're late? It goes deeper. Because you don't want to look bad, right? You don't want to look lazy, irresponsible. You don't want to look weak. You don't want to risk maybe a promotion or whatever it would be, or your boss inviting you to play golf, whatever it is. Why do you lie? Well, because I didn't want to look bad. You're hiding. You have to protect your reputation. And then I want you to keep thinking this kind of falsehood even goes deeper because falsehood is a way of controlling the way that other people think about you, isn't it? It's a form of control. I want to control what you think about me, so I'm going to present you an alternative recanting or recalling of the story. <laughs> oh, there's traffic. Not YouTube videos, right? And so what happens, we're trying to control the way people think about us, and so lying, whether directly or indirectly, it demonstrates ultimately, Christians, our lack of faith in Christ. We don't trust him. We don't trust God to be enough. We don't. So we lie. Falsehood. I mean, think of social media. The whole thing is about false identities, isn't it? Right? Think about all the things that you see online. You think really their life is really that perfect? Really, come on. That isn't how it is. This is social media. We pretend to be someone we are not. And instead, Paul says in verse 25, put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth. I don't know if you ever noticed this or, or, or experienced this, but online dating profiles really should be accurate, shouldn't they? And uh, they did some research. It shows that most online daters and particularly American men, shocker, misrepresent and exaggerate facts about themselves, okay? So when someone puts work in finance, that's not accurate if you're a cashier in and out. In and out's awesome, but just tell the truth. It's not finance. You're a cashier. That's great. One guy, for real story, on his profile, 
he put family-oriented because he was divorced three times and had three families. Family-oriented. True story. It's not speaking truth. Christians are to speak truth in their finances, in their relationships, in their speech, in the way they present themselves to the world. Truthfulness. Do you notice anything in you that is trying to hide? Oh, when you know Christ and know him deeply, you don't need to hide. You can be yourself. Truthfulness. Paul says, and this, he gives you a reason in verse 25. Why should we do this? For we are members of one another. We're members of one body. See, here's the thing. Paul has made a case of first three chapters about our unity in Christ as fellow followers of Jesus, that we are unified in him, that we're all separate and unique and beautiful parts, but of one body. And the unity is so important that it demands an aligned community, that our relationships with one another in Christ need to have truthfulness instead of falsehood, because we need to represent the oneness of Christ because we are the body of Christ. Do you recognize anything in you that leans towards falsehood? Maybe ask another way. Is there anything you're trying to hide, trying to put a good impression? Paul says, be careful. Put away falsehood. Speak truth. Verse 26, Paul says this, be angry and do not Sin. I think this is very interesting because Paul is actually saying all anger isn't sin. Isn't that interesting? Not all anger is sin. There's righteous anger against war atrocities. That's a good thing to be angry about war atrocities, right? Righteous anger. But wanting to pay back with equal violence or even more is not righteous anger. And we need to be praying together with the kinds of things that are happening around the world that an equal or worse response is not the retaliation. Oh, Lord, restrain. Restrain people in their anger. See, righteous anger for godly justice, that's good. But refusing to let go of grudges, that's bad. It's going to damage you more than it's going to damage them. See, Paul says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. What he's saying is that if you allow the anger to fester, it gives Satan a foothold. That's the word he uses. It gives Satan a seat at the table. Paul's basically saying, don't set a place setting for Satan in your house. Don't pull out the chair for him. Don't give him a foothold. Don't let that anger fester in you. Do not let the sun go down on your anger Let go of that grudge. You know who it's hurting the most? You. Not that person that you're angry at. Don't give Satan a foothold because bitterness in the end imprisons yourself. God just cares about it. He loves you. Let go of anger that festers. Let's keep going. Verse 28. Then Paul says, let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, you might be saying, Pastor Tim, stealing. Well, I don't steal. That might be true because Paul's probably talking about 
yeah, actually good, you know, stealing someone's lamb or stealing someone's uh, hidden coins or stealing uh, someone's property. Don't, do not steal. He is thinking of those things. Uh, you might say, Pastor Tim, I don't steal. I'm just going to remind you that taxes are to be filed soon, right? You're not, okay, just reminding. Check your heart. Check your heart, right? I don't steal. Check your heart. Stealing means ultimately you don't trust God. I need to get that because I will not have enough unless I take it from them. Okay, so consider how you might steal because Paul says, stop stealing. You can't, don't be a thief. Listen to this. Let's expand the idea of stealing for a minute. You can steal someone's reputation by spreading rumors, can't you? You go, oh, well, I didn't know you were going to talk about that, Pastor Tim. That's different. Yeah. You can steal, rob someone of experiencing grace by withholding forgiveness, by maintaining that grudge. See how this all ties together? Yes, it's physical goods, it's material property, but let's expand it. And you might say, well, I don't, I don't steal, Pastor Tim. And then maybe as we go down this, we'll say, oh, okay, well, may, may, maybe, maybe I do in some ways. Ask the Spirit to search your heart. See, Paul says to steal means it shows that we don't understand God's kindness towards us. So he says, stop stealing and start giving. He says this specifically, share with anyone in need. See, the mark of a Christian is generosity. If you're a follower of Christ, one of the things that will naturally flow out of you as you continue to listen to the Spirit is you will find joy in generosity. And that's why so many of you, you're, you're so good at being generous as we have asked for your help to support our two missionaries in the Ukraine and serving around the borders of Ukraine. Thank you for your generosity. Isn't it fun? Gives you joy. It's the mark of a Christian. And this Mexico house, well, guess what? Guess why we could do that? It's because of you and your generosity. It's a joy. But for some of us, if we never give the church, if we're not giving our tithe in Malachi 3.8, God actually says, you're stealing from me because I gave you those resources and I'm asking for a portion back. Now, here's the thing. Does God need your money? No. It's for you. You need to not let resources own you. And God doesn't want you to miss the joy of being generous. And so, yes, keep giving and keep donating to the Yellow Brick Road thrift store, our thrift store, and keep buying from it too because it all goes to a good cause. Give and buy. Tithe. If you've never tithed before, I'm going to challenge you. Tithe tithe 1%. If you tithe 1%, tithe 2%. So I want to encourage you, challenge you, invite you into that. Stop stealing. Start giving. Be generous. But first of all, thank you. You have been so generous. And isn't it fun? When we let go of the things that God has given us, we get the joy of joining in God's mission on planet Earth. Take a look at verse 29. Paul continues with his commands, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those that hear. Paul mentions specifically in verse 29, corrupting talk. Now, I want you to notice that Paul is probably talking about like filthy language, right? 
So stop your filthy language. But he's not only talking about dirty words. He's talking about words and talk that tear down instead of building up. See, Paul even specifically says that. He says, no corrupting talk, but instead build up. See that contrast? Don't do this, but do this. Be in step with the Spirit. Build up. And so I just want to simply ask you, are you known as someone who tears down or builds up? Simple question. What would people say about you? What would your family say about you? Are you a tear downer or a build upper with your words? Now, in being a builder upper, it's not just flattery. Paul isn't saying just go around and compliment people, right? Paul isn't saying, oh, oh yeah, I love your cooking. And if you don't know, it's no. You know sometimes. It's, no, the cooking's not good. Okay? I'm not saying be mean. Be honest. You know, it wasn't my thing. Thank you. I'm so appreciative, whatever. But yeah, be nice about it, but be honest. You can practice it that way. Building up is not just flattery. You speak the truth. And in fact, speaking the truth in love, okay? Building up isn't flattery. Building up is speaking truth in love. Building up is saying, I think you're drinking too much. Building up is saying, it seems like you struggle with not being in control. You don't have to be mean about it. Speaking truth in love. God will use you as you listen to his spirit to build up someone else by speaking the truth in love. Not mean, but honest and truthful. Don't you know it's not loving to not speak truth? You're withholding something that's going to help them grow. You're withholding a perspective and a reality that maybe God has given you to share with them. So speak the truth in love. Build up. Not tear down. And sometimes tearing down is not saying anything. If God has given you something to say, listen to the Spirit and speak the truth in love. God might use you to break some kind of painful pattern in someone's life by speaking the truth in love. I want you to do something. Maybe if you walk away with anything, here's something you can do this week. Think about who you live with. Okay? Could be a spouse, could be children, could be a family member, could you might have a roommate, or you might think if you live by yourself, someone at work, someone who knows you, ask two things this week. First one is this. I mean, you can tell them the context of things. If this is kind of weird for them, you can say, well, hey, go to this thing called church, and pastor asked me to ask a question, and one thing is this. Hey, what do I do well that you'd want me to keep doing? Okay, start with the good stuff. Like, Am I funny? Do you enjoy the jokes? Like, am, do you ever see me? Am I, am I thoughtful? What, what am I doing well that you would say, keep going, don't stop, that's good? Ask them, what do I do well that you'd want me to keep doing? Okay? Think of this as your spouse, could be a, a child, could be a grandkid, could be a neighbor. Okay? What do I do well that you want me to keep doing? Okay? And then, is there something that I do that you'd like me to stop? To work on? You have that person in mind who you might ask this week? I mean, say, Holy Spirit, work on me. Help me to keep doing good things that represent you. Help me to stop the things that don't look like you. Two questions. 
Someone in your household, ask them. Verse 30, take a look at me with me there. Paul says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, Paul describes the Holy Spirit. I want you to keep this in mind. He says, do not grieve. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. Holy Spirit's a person. Holy Spirit's not an it. He hurts when we don't listen to him. When we don't speak truth, when we don't share honestly, he grieves. Paul says the Holy Spirit's a person who lives in us that we can cause grief. God himself grieves that we're not living in the fullness of the reality of him in us. Now, some scholars aren't sure why Paul inserts this mention of the Holy Spirit in the midst of this list, this contrasting list of stop living this way and start living this way, right? Stop sinning and start living. He's got this list going back and forth, but I actually see a purposeful thing that he's doing. He's actually sandwiching his do's and don'ts with first mentioning Satan in verse 25 and then mentioning the Spirit in verse 30. It's almost as if he's saying, don't do these things which is following in the ways of Satan, evil and darkness, your old way of living. Don't do that, but start living this way with kindness and goodness and love and truthfulness in step with the Spirit. That's how I see it. He's sandwiching the mention of Satan and the mention of the Spirit so we'd understand this contrast. And in some ways, Paul, in verses 31 and 32, he kind of sums up what it means to honor the Spirit, to not grieve the Spirit, to be in step with the Spirit. He says this in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. He's pretty much summing up all the ways you can sin, right? Talking sins and and thinking sins, heart sins. And he says in verse 32, In contrast, in step with the Spirit, be kind to one another, tenderhearted or loving, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Paul exhorts us to our whole selves to step away from this life of darkness and of sin and of Satan and to step into fully, not grieving the Spirit, but in step with the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, Speaking in truth and living honestly and not stealing and being a blessing to others. He sums it all up by saying, this is how you live. Verse 32, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. Tertullian is the ancient church father. He said this about the early Christians and what the non-believing community thought about the Christians Tertullian says this, it is our care of the helpless, our practice of loving kindness that brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. And they say about us, look, look how they love one another. That's how Christians were known in the earliest years of the Jesus movement. Look at their kindness. Look how they forgive one another. Look how they love one another. Look at their tender heartedness. Look at their care for the poor. Look at the way that they serve those in need. Look at that. Amazing. It must be God in 
them. And in verse 30, when Paul talks about it, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It's a really interesting phrase Paul says there because what he's doing, he's trying to remind the hearers and listeners of this letter, the church in Ephesus and in Asia Minor, he had already told them earlier in the letter to the Ephesians that you're sealed by the Spirit of God. That as you put your faith in Christ, you are sealed by the Spirit. It's secure. It's a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And how long does it guarantee it for? Well, he says it right here, sealed for the day of redemption. Well, what does that mean? That's the day that Jesus is coming back. And so Paul's reminding them, from the beginning of your, of your walk with Christ, you were sealed with the Spirit, and you are going to be secure all the way until Jesus comes back, the day of redemption. You're secure. God's got you. And he's asking them to have that kind of perspective in living our short little lives. Because in the beginning of the beginning of our life, and all the way to the end, we have one job, and our one job is to allow the Spirit to take control. It's simple. It's to listen to the Spirit as we read God's Word, as we fellowship with one another, as we ask God, how do you want me to live for you today? Our one little job is to obey, to listen and obey. And if we're lucky, we're going to have 100 years on this planet Earth, right? If we're lucky, I got a, a grandpa still alive, 98. Amazing. I'm hoping those, that DNA is in me, right? Give me some good years, Lord. And if I'm lucky, I'll have 100 years to live this tiny little life because in comparison to eternity, it is a speck. It's nothing. We have one job. The beginning, when the Holy Spirit seals us, and the end, the day of redemption when Jesus returns, is to live for him, to share it's to be kind, it's to love, it's to live out our identity of Christ in us. So Paul first says to stop sinning, start living, and then he says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, he actually says in a way, keep remembering. It's the third thing. Take a look at Ephesians 5. I tricked you. I said we'd be in Ephesians 4. I'm cheating. I'm going into next week's text. You're going to see verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. I'm going to stop there. You see, when we're organizing the Bible here, uh, uh, modern uh, people who put the Bible together, there wasn't, there wasn't chapters, there weren't verses. And so I think actually chapter 5, verse 1, and probably verse 2 belong with chapter 4. It's a continuation of Paul's logical thought. And he says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Paul wants to rem them to remember what he told them earlier in chapters 1 and chapters 2. It is this, to live freely from identity as the beloved child of God. He doesn't want anyone to misunderstand. This is not a legalism of a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not about being religious. It's not about even church attendance. So we're glad you're attending church. We're glad you're watching from home right now. All good things. But this is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about trying to earn God's favor or trying to make God happiness to keep in his good graces. No, you are a beloved child of God. Paul wants children of God from ages 1 to 101 to remember who they are and whom they belong to. You belong to a good father who looks upon you with love. 
That's it. And out of that identity, to allow all of the goodness of the Holy Spirit as he's drawing you just to flow out and to speak truth and to care for the needy and to share God's love and to forgive. See, the Father's gaze is upon all who will call upon his name. So let me ask you, do you know right now that the Father in heaven looks upon you with love? If you don't, then my question is, have you ever confessed your sins to Jesus? Have you ever asked him to take over your life, to be Lord of your life? Because when you do that, when you confess your sins and, and, and call Jesus Lord and say, I invite you in, you can have certainty that you are a beloved child of God, that the gaze of the Father is upon you and he looks upon you with love. You have security from beginning to end. You never have to doubt if you're loved. You never have to doubt if your life is valuable, if it's, wor- if it's worth anything. God will pour into you the reality that your life has incredible value because he made you and called you to himself. Do you know it? You're a beloved child of God. Now, today we're celebrating my daughter Avery's spiritual birthday. Okay? And if you've heard me talk before, if you've been here before, we celebrate when any one of us in our family and even friends of ours, the, a day or a date where they think this is when I gave my life to the Lord or I said a prayer or um, I, you know, I made some kind of commitment to Jesus. We call it a spiritual birthday. So it was on Friday. It was her spiritual birthday. We're celebrating today. And so we're going to celebrate. We actually like, do a special lunch and a dinner. And there's like a gift. It's a, it's a real birthday. It's a spiritual birthday. Okay. And so as we're thinking about celebrating that, some of these pictures came up on my Facebook feed. Here's the first one. This is Avery at age like one and a half in her favorite koala hoodie. Okay. It's her pondering life in her koala hoodie. And then next, next photo you'll see, this is Avery with her pacifier and her sunglasses, mommy's sunglasses, right? Just being cool, being her cool self. And there's a more recent photo of Avery right there. My, my beautiful almost teenager. Oh my gosh, she's almost a teenager. Okay, my beautiful almost teenager. Now here's the thing. I don't love Avery any less as she gets older. Does that make sense? Now I know it's my daughters. Like, of course, I'm going to love them. I gush over them. And you do too. If you have kids, you gush over them, right? It's like the natural thing to do. Like as she ages, as my kids age, I don't love them less. In fact, I love them more. I have like a growing love for them. And I just imagine, as an imperfect father like me, if my love grows as my kids age, I wonder if God the Father has perfect love. I wonder if his love doesn't diminish as I age. Because you know what? I'm getting a little older. And you know what happens? I'm losing hair where I want it, and I'm gaining hair where I don't want it. It's a very weird phenomenon. But the Father looks upon me with love because I'm his beloved kid. And I forget it sometimes because these hundred years sometimes get tiring, right? And something small like COVID comes and ravages the world. I get tired. And there's something called political parties, and that gets a little tiring, right? I get tired this hundred years. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to listen to you, Spirit. And I get tired. And you might need to remember, not just the do's and don'ts, not just to not grieve the Holy Spirit. I need to remember I am a beloved child of God. The Father has eyes of love looking upon me now, not because of anything good I have done. 
I'm a beloved child of God. We serve a God who never gets tired of gazing at his kids. Isn't that good news? If you walk away with anything today, I want you to be convinced there is a God of love who is gazing upon you, who loves you. And if you do not have certainty of the Father's love, you can have it by confessing your sins and asking Jesus to be Lord of your life. Then you can have certainty that you're a beloved child of God, sealed by the Spirit, secure into the day of redemption, and then empowered to let his love, imitating the Father with kindness and goodness and gentleness and speaking truth and standing up for justice and caring for the needy. You get it? It flows out of you. I kind of wonder sometimes if God can't wait to take us home into our heavenly home that'll be in a renewed earth. I sometimes wonder if he can't wait because he has such perfect love. Our limited bodies can't contain his love right now. If he poured his love into us, he would destroy us. I wonder if he can't wait till that day when he welcomes us home. Because he's like, I've been waiting to pour out all my love upon you until your new bodies can handle it. I've been waiting to wipe the tears from your eyes. I've been waiting to show you the mansion I prepared. I've been waiting. I wonder if he's as eager to welcome us home. Oh, that's the father's love for his beloved kids. And that we might hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant. You are my beloved child. I'm going to close with a story. There's a woman named Corey Ten Boom. And during World War II, she helped many Jews escape Nazis, as many Europeans and others did during that time. She hid them in her home. And she went on after the war to write books and become a world-renowned speaker. And she once was asked if it was hard for her to stay humble with all the media attention, all the fame that she had acquired by telling these stories. And her reply is very relevant to this Palm Sunday. Listen to what she said. She says this, you know, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and everyone was waving palm branches and singing praises, do you think that for one moment it ever entered the head of that donkey that any of that was for him? And then she says this, if I can be the donkey on which Jesus Christ rides in his glory, I give him all the praise and all the honor. I want to be the donkey. A few closing thoughts. Paul says, stop sinning, start living. Ask someone who knows you well. What should I keep doing? And what should I stop doing? It's a risky question, right? And then on this Palm Sunday, remember, be content being the donkey. Don't seek to glorify yourself, but to glorify Christ with the small acts of great love every day. Use your little life, a hundred short years, relative to eternity, that you get to point to the king on your back and say, look at him, look at him. It's his love. It's his generosity. It's his skill. It's his artistic abilities. It's, it's his kindness. It's him. Be the donkey. Let's pray. Lord, as we continue and we worship you with, with our voices, we worship you with our minds, our hearts, we want these words to reflect not just things that we say, but commitments to follow you. Oh, Lord, forgive us for grieving you, Holy Spirit. 
Forgive us for forgetting who we really are. We are beloved children of God, secure in you. Forgive us for forgetting that our short little lives, it's not worth holding on to grudges. It's not worth hiding. It's not worth faking. Oh, Lord, you don't want us to miss out on the joy of living in freedom, of listening to your spirit. And so, Lord, help us to listen as we worship you in song. Help us to hear your voice of love. Help us to hear your voice of conviction, of ways that we refuse to throw off the old self. Oh, Lord, thank you for your grace. Receive our worship, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.